everyone, welcome to Rubonus Podcast. I'm the host Donatas Rubonas and today my guest is a very well-known legendary player and the head coach of Fenerbahce Istanbul, Alexander Georgievich. Hello coach. Hello. It's a Hello. pleasure to have you here on this uh, short podcast and uh, I wanted to begin with one of the, your, I would say, weirdest chapters of your career. We all know what you achieved as a player and, and, and so on, but I found it pretty weird that you kind of made it to the NBA in 1996 and it was pretty big thing to do for the international guards because if I remember well, I think that only Sharunas Marcellonis was the established guard. Uh, there were some attempts by Andrew Gaze, uh, by Sergei Bozarevich, by Vicenzo Espinosa. Uh, I think so. Uh, no, Vicenzo Esposito. As- yes, uh, Mauricio will be happy about this. And uh, you kind of made it, you signed, but what I found it interesting that you signed with the Portland Trail Blazers, which were, okay, they were great in the Western Conference, but in few years, few years later, they were known as a jailblazers. So it's a tough environment, I would say, for yeah, the well, European I didn't, player. I didn't know nothing about it, but obviously you haven't read that in 1990, I went to Celtics mm-hmm. uh, yeah. undrafted and without an agent. I think I'm the only one who went there just to go on the... Uh, uh, on the free agents camp, they liked me, they offered me a contract. I signed the contract for the veteran camp and everything. And uh, two months after that, we went to a summer league to LA. And that's where I met physically my agent. There were no cell phones and everything. So actually, uh, this agent uh, threw that story in his book that he wrote. Uh, he was uh, he had the courage to write, to write the book, not mm-hmm. about it, but about every, every, every life. And uh, yeah, back at the time, it was uh, very tough for non-American players to go and play in um, in um, in uh, NBA. It was for the meant to be for only for the best players, and not like this case. They were looking for the mm-hmm. stars, European stars, or the best best players to have a shot, like they would like to say in the NBA. And a lot of players like Dražen Petrović, Raja, Kukoc, Marcelloni, Sabas, Danilovic was Danilovic uh, went there, of course, and all the others that left Shemp. But they were the best, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say also myself, and uh, we, we we get it. So I I was there in 1990. Then I came back to Partizan, and uh, one of the, the friendly games that we played, the uh, preseason games in Old Boston Garden. I started that game with the Chief Parish, Kevin McHale, Larry Bird, and uh, Reggie Lewis. So uh, that was my uh, getting to the to to the NBA in the early days. Then in '96, I had. Offers after the Euroleague title with Partizan. Every year after that, I just wanted to go to Milano. I saw myself there. I wanted to stay in Europe, play, have fun. Then after the Olympics 96, it was the last train, like I like to mm-hmm. call it, to go there and achieve that part of the dream and be a, you know part of an NBA team, be an NBA player. So I did it. I signed after the Olympics. We played the finals against the USA team and the semifinals against a small European Team Lithuania, like <laughs> just kidding. It was a great semi-final. It was a year after one of the greatest games that I used to play in my player's career, the the, the European Championship mm-hmm. of '95. So that was the, the story back then. There was not a lot of scouting, not a lot of following of the non-American players back at the time. So it was not easy for American guys to American teams to come and, and see us play. And then the the game actually, in the moment that everything changed in that 
uh, view of American basketball towards non-American basketball was at the final of the Junior World Championship in Bormio in 87, I believe. Uh, it was Yugoslavia against USA team. And I was the captain of that Yugoslavia national team with Dino Raja, Kukoc, uh, Coach Pesic, and a lot of others, other players we played against. Gary Payton, Larry Johnson, uh, Stacey Ogman, Simmons, uh, Kevin Pritchard, all the others. Larry Brown was the coach. And we won two times against that, mm. that national team. We won in a group, second one in the finals. And that's where that game actually opened the doors of you know, non-American mm-hmm. players and, 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 and people from the United States said, hey, basketball is played over there. Let's, let's see what, 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 what is there. So all, the, all this uh, scouting and all this uh, awareness of non-American players being good enough to be in NBA came from that, that moment there. Wow, and being a playmaker for Larry Bird and yeah. then uh, joining Blazers, it yeah. was hell of a yeah, different experience, it right? It was good. No, okay, but all, it was my decision. Mm. At the end uh, of that uh, Olympic Games in Atlanta, I had two offers actually from Hawks, Atlanta. Uh, Lenny Wilkins was a coach of a national team and he wanted me to join them. And then there was an offer from uh, Blazers and Sabas was on the team. So uh, I said, uh, I want to go play with that dude. He was okay. <laughs> you know, Sabonis was okay. <laughs> it was fun being around him, being friends with him, uh, playing with him. It was fun playing against him. So that was a little bit decision back at the time that I went to, why I went to Portland. It was some of the issues that they have on the roster with the players. You mentioned that thing, but uh, that's how it is. That, that's how it was back in the days and they had to mm-hmm. deal with it. I saw some episodes of it, uh, but that's it. It was it was not in our DNA. Uh, bring us bring us to that uh, first interaction with uh, Sabas in Portland's locker room or outside, especially when you left that guy heartbroken both in '95 and 1996. What was it? Yeah, he was he was heartbroken when I left Portland. <laughs> 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 that that was his biggest um, uh, sorry day. Uh, no, we always have have fun. Those are great, great games. You know, '95 we played uh, uh, after three years of embargo of, of us not being uh, on any of the competitions as a Yugoslavia back at the times with a lot of political issues. Uh, we showed up in that '95 uh, European Championship, winning the qualification group with, a, if you can believe, in the last shot in a overtime game against Bulgaria, and. Uh, then we we actually played that finals, won it. It was one of the biggest biggest games in the history be, be, between the, our two nations for sure, mm. and I believe even be, between a lot of uh, national team yeah, competitions. You know, on one side it was you. yeah, Sabonis, Marcellonis, Kurtinaitis, Komichus, uh, Karnišovas, Stombergas. It was. Unbelievable game on one on the team on one side and uh, on the other side it was us with Divas Danilovic, Savic, Paspal, myself, all the others. Coach Ivkovic was there, and uh, that was a pretty good game, pretty good finals. We won it at the end. It was a big game, big night for us, and the history changing momentum for for our our, our basketball. Was it hard then to find a connection with Sabas after all these rivalries? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Sabas is the the, 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 the easiest guy to, to have a connection to. He's a great guy. 
great person. Of course, we were rivals, but at the end, we just found our thing, found our stuff. <coughs> he used to teach me some game of cards that you guys play here. I believe he didn't teach me all the rules because he was winning all the time. He always <laughs> kept something in, in, in his pocket, but that's the way what he was What was the game of fun. that uh, card game? Ah, it's just cards. <laughs> he would use... With some you know, curse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cards and you were blah, blah, word after it. You know, Sabas, that story is... It's a fun story, but it was always there. I don't think he knew the name of the game. He just loved playing it. So each person, American guys or coaches, whoever was approaching us, you know, they were, oh, you're playing cards. What's the name of the game? He would just look, cards, cards, cards. Name of the game, cards. <laughs> he was so pissed. <laughs> and he was unbelievable, unbelievable player. Unbelievable. He would make all the others better. Everybody. Everybody on, on the squad, on the coaching staff, everybody. He's just... He was unique. What was also unexpected for me that uh, Charles played in your retirement game. You were 10 year, almost 10 years older yeah. than Charles, and Charles back then he was also pretty young. Yes, coaches. Yeah, there was a big difference. So yes, what but was he history he actually it? showed me his respect, and uh, that was something that I appreciated a lot. Charles is a legendary ex-player now; he's a legendary coach, you know, and he's a He's a great guy, fun guy, and uh, he just grew up probably with my generation. We were prior before him, so he just wanted to show respect. Uh, and uh, I'm grateful for him and to everybody, to him and to everybody else who joined that game. And you both share kind of some common, uh, common things. Uh, you both had a great uh, player career. Uh, you also had that big charisma, and I will throw you some numbers uh, talking about yourself uh, in the beginning uh, 21.5 points in college cup final 1989 uh, 23 points an amazing buzzer beater winning the title in 1992 Badalona 29 and then 38 points in college cup again this time for Milan in 1993 of course 41 points in that uh, sad and unfair Eurobasket final 1995 but referees, referees, yeah, yeah. referees, <laughs> like you guys would I say, actually, referees. I actually, re I was too young uh, to witness that game live, but I rewatched that game. Refs weren't that bad, like no, everybody no, was talking about. Exactly. No, so no. that was. Uh, but they know, Sabas know, Sharas know. They much uh, They know. They just made that pressure because they wanted it. But it's it was you know, the game was like that. They couldn't win, so it was something to throw. But what I wanted to ask you that. Both you and Charles, so crazy talented offensive players. How the hell you guys became so obsessed about defense as the head coaches? Well, what happened? Uh, Mike D'Antoni was the best defender ever, maybe in, in, in for for sure in Italian basketball recent history, and unbelievable defender. And he's he's all about offense. And a lot of times they say that that it's opposite, you know, being a, being a player and to to become a coach. Uh, we were good offensively, uh, and I was, let, let me talk about myself, but I love winning uh, not only games, I love to win at the end. The, the, the emotions and the, the, the feelings that I had, winning it all, the titles, the medals at the end, you know, winning the finals are something that is going to be in myself for the rest of my life and, and also to all the people that was around me in that moment and to everybody else. So having that emotions and sharing them Understanding what it gave to us, to our lives, is only possible if you play strong defense. Defense makes you win titles and medals. Offense wins you, makes you win, makes you win uh, games. That's the old saying, and uh, I took it and uh, 
that's what we're trying to do. Of course, you cannot win games without offense. You cannot go uh, without maybe some of the numbers or some of the uh, nights that some of the players might have. And without the players, it's impossible. So uh, I think mm, maybe it comes from the discipline that we were thought, taught, you know, by our 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 coaches, by by prior to to because it was it was about. Discipline and defense is a lot about discipline. So I believe I was a disciplined player. Nevertheless, I was I was not that uh, defensively oriented or dominated like I was offensively. But I was I was pretty good, especially in team defense. Do you think uh, Coach Georgievich would like a player Georgievich? Yes, mostly because of absolutely because he was a good player. Yeah. Coach Georgievich <laughs> likes good players. <laughs> Talking about uh, that connection between uh, coach and player. Uh, as a scorer like you were in your career, uh, making all these shots and making your career also because of, of scoring, how do you feel right now uh, watching your team going through a shooting slump probably, uh, I would say, missing well, important the, shots, yeah. but missing good shots also. And how to get? How did you try to get yourself at first from the shooting slump you had in your career? To answer your last question, I don't remember. Because you didn't <laughs> have any shooting slumps? No. Uh, it's... it's Periodical. It's it's, it's it, that, that that's how it is. You know, the greatest shooters have their slump. It's word that Americans use a lot, and uh, I hope we are not in there. It's it's obviously that once you play the game, you have to make it, and it's it comes from your personality. It comes from your uh, strength. If if it comes from your mental awareness and mental preparation for the effort that is in front of you, which is a game, and. Um, those things come with confidence. Sometimes that confidence you have to transfer to the players, but what I believe is players must have it in their backpack, bringing it to the team that against them, uh, that gave them a contract, because playing without confidence is, is, is it's, it's not, not what is going to make it happen. So uh, we'll see, we'll see tomorrow. You know, we have a, a good, Good, uh, good possibility here to play a great game and uh, to see if we are out of that slump like we had last night and against against opponent in Munich. And for, ex for example, when you have these two days between games, do you try to interrupt the process? No, it's it's, a, it's no, it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a you know a process of coaching. It's it, it's a process and it's beautiful because it's you have to find the, all kind of weapons to to make your players, you know, come out or help them to perform the best they can. And you find a lot of lot of ways to do it. Sometimes he's talking, sometimes he's, he's uh, provoking, sometimes he's, uh, you know, making them or being aware of their mistakes. Uh, uh, I'm the guy who likes to give, uh, to support uh, the player, to, to be there for him if I can. Uh, I'm not always like that, but... I believe that we coaches are here to put our shoulders under the players' feet in order for them to touch the skies that some of us had a chance and luck to have, have touched that star, those stars in mm -hmm. our careers. So this is our, our job. And uh, if they understand, then it, it's okay. But uh, even, even players themselves, they're really good in coming out, you know, showing that toughness and... and, 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 and uh, uh, readiness to, 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 to perform. So you need one big game. 
you mentioned that you can build a winning team, but if you want to have a championship team, you need a leader, uh, a true leader. That's in my yeah, in my declarations and my relations when I talk about team 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 building. Yes. And when you joined Fenerbahce, let's say it wasn't your team; it wasn't the team you've built. So, who was that leader you recognized uh, in the beginning? You well, it's absolutely that we have uh, in Nando de Colo and Jan Vesely, two leaders, absolute, absolute. So. There's no question about it. Because especially for you, it's very important to have a playmaker. The leader is a playmaker. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Manando is is, uh, is that, fun, uh, that one, definitely, in all his career, not only in Fenerbahce, and he's he's doing it for us. So him and, and Jan, on the other hand, is different kind of leader, but also showing this leadership uh, leadership skills. And uh, in, in, in his career, in Jan's career, he, his role was not always like that, but he evolved to this, this, this thing. Uh, in my, in my opinion. And talking specifically about uh, Nando as your playmaker, uh, what kind of leader he is, and what kind of leader you want him to become for your team? Your well, he's he's exceptional, unbelievable professional. I never seen a guy like that. So focused, so serious, so responsible towards the obligations towards the towards the the the, the, the what club gave to him uh, he wants to give that back so responsible so uh, leading by the example always focused always uh, on the point always uh, precise uh, never relaxed he's a great example you know who who had him as a teammate i'm i'm sure that that, that anyone learned uh, everyone who had him as a teammate learned a lot from him, and I'm 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 telling the words of Miloš Teodosic, who I had a chance to 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 coach in Virtus and in my national team. He said I learned a lot from Nando uh, when Nando was in when they were in CSKA. You know Nando's way of preparation, professionalism, taking care of his body, you know approaching the games and everything else. Now Nando is a real champion. And who was your let's say best leader in your coaching years, which you try to set as an example and to show as an example to your players? Well, you I, I don't I don't. Uh, give that kind of I don't give that kind of because a lot of I have I was lucky that I had a lot of good good leaders uh, great leaders you know and right now I'm focusing on on my leaders that I have but what also I believe uh, everyone in a in a in a in a in a club not only in a in a team can be a sort of a leader in what he does you know it, there is a reason why all the people are chosen by the top clubs, all the players, coaches, and everybody around, because they're the best, or you think in that moment they're the best in what they do. So in that thing, in that aspect, they can put that leadership, leadership detail or le- leadership aspect on the towards the, the the good for the team every day. In Lithuania and probably in all Europe, uh, we respect Serbia. Uh, and Serbian basketball school for its mentality. We recognize you as true warriors, uh, fearful warriors, uh, disciplined and physical. Uh, Likewise. Yes. And uh, we saw it on your national team uh, last century. We also saw it on your also uh, coach team in, in, in Serbia last uh, decade. There was that gap with Jelko Bradovic's team in 2005. You remember yeah, all was. that press conference when he challenged the Serbian stars. But it seems like you guys were back on track again. But what I want to ask you, uh, is it different right, right now to teach that mentality 
uh, with this new generation of players, not only in Serbia, but for example, when you come in Fenerbahce, probably you want to, to well, expect the same. The Spain well, this mentality and, yeah. that you're talking, winning mentality, I, I would, I would, uh, I, I have on my board in a, in a, in a, in a coaching room, I have this uh, saying, winning mentality and dash mentality of the winners. So it's not the same. You have to create this understanding that you have you need the mentality of the winners. So a lot of things starts and 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 in a coaching job, especially from the selection, selection <coughs> excuse me, of your staff, selection of the players at the end, selection of the program that you're going to try to, you know, to coach, to be there. And that selection is the first step that it has to be really, really thoroughly done in order to create that winning mentality, if you're looking for that. And uh, since we are mm, uh, completely uh, damned cursed by this wish of winning at the end, and me, I grew up with generation prior before me with Kichanovic, Dalipagic, with them on 78 in Manila winning the world championship. And I said, I wanted to be those guys. You know, I just didn't want to wear the jersey of the national team. I wanted to win it with the jersey of the national team. I wanted to lift up the trophy as a captain. Those were my, my goals, my my dreams, mm -hmm. my, my objectives. And 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 this thing not not everybody has. You know, now there are different different goals in each player's mind, different uh, you know, different different motivations also, different backgrounds, different coming up. So Nowadays, uh, it's a it's a lot about calculation of the momentum of the, of these summaries. Am I going to be there? Do, should I go? Should I be? Am I advised by someone to go there? Am I risking anything? Am I uh, going to take advantage of this competition? Can we win? Should I hide myself? Should I propose myself to be uh, judged uh, by by the basketball environment all, all around? Those are all the things that you don't. You underestimate uh, in the in the one player's mm -hmm. mind because they're there. Back at the times, it was we wanted it. We wanted a challenge. I wanted to play Sabonis and Manchuloni. So I wanted to see if I'm good enough to be those guys. They were the champions for me, so I have to be better than them. Right now, I, I found out in my uh, coaching career of the national team, sometimes they're backing out. Sometimes they 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 don't want that summer. Sometimes they're like throwing some excuses or taking care of the body or it's my contract year, it's my I'm free agent, I'm this, I'm that. And I, I do have a lot of respect for some of my players that I coached. We were, we were like in 2017, I had like exactly one moment when some of the players I asked, you know, to, to make a point. In front, it was a press conference. And so I, I said, we had some of the you know, people or players who didn't want to play, they said, no, this year, that year, I don't you know, contract, not contract, this, body, blah, 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 all the, which I respect it. Everything is legal completely. It's normal. But then I asked my players, who from you does not have the contract? And I had six or seven guys, you know, raising their hands, starting from Simonovic being in that moment a captain of the team. I said, well, this goes a credit to you guys. You don't have a future, you don't have, but you want it this national team challenge, this national team pride. So we created something. I gave you something of mine to you and you understand how important or how important that is for you, your families and for the people that we are playing for. So those are the things that uh, were in my mind to, to transfer mm -hmm. to the somehow to the to the generations after or to the to the younger 
uh, kids or players who are who are there to understand how important this could be in, in, in their career. You know, wearing a jersey of, uh, of your national team, that's something else. But even more, if you win with that jersey. And it's not, uh, not everybody will accept that challenge. And it needs a lot of courage, a lot of courage. National, te national team is another thing. Uh, what about working in clubs and dealing with this yeah, that's, different that's, generation? That's a different, that's a different, different, uh, different aspect. That's a, a lot of professionalism coming in, a lot of money, a lot of, a lot of, uh, Contracts coming in. Uh, that's a different calculation. That's a different, different stuff. Uh, uh, it's there. Uh, professionalism is there. Uh, you know, big contracts are there. So you know, also playing with them, uh, playing with them, coaching them. It, it's it's another type of challenge. You know, uh, depending on the situation that these guys have, contract wise or not, on the clubs, you have to adapt. Uh, you are sometimes uh, you're not that free to say everything or to do whatever you want because you cannot uh, uh, do exactly what you feel because there are a lot of things to 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 think about so you just uh, play by the rules uh, rules are what they are and you give your best to the players the same way uh, i'm still trying in my opinion to create winning environment with the uh, and uh, winning mentality uh, through the mentality of the winners and that's that's the that's that's my job. That, those are my goals. I will never back back out from them. So uh, the thing is, if I can transfer uh, good enough starting point of what's a bigger sensation for you, uh, hating to lose or liking to win, <laughs> and that, those are the things that will push you or push us to do something extra on the floor every day in order to get the wins. Uh, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. It's a process and it's a, like a roller coaster, and that's why it's fun. Not all the times, but it's fun. Coming to end, uh, next year it will be 30 years since you won the Triple Crown with Partizan. And it's very symbolic uh, because your former head coach, Jelko, is again on, on, on the bench of Partizan. What is also very funny is that um, the son of uh, Koprivica, sorry for Slavisa yeah, yeah. Koprivica. Yeah, Balsha is playing for the team also. How, prou uh, how proud do you feel about this team organization being on the rise again and reaching for big goals? But that's, that's unbelievable. That's also a process. Partizan went through a lot of things. They were also a force, you know, playing in the EuroLeague, even Final Fours after our achievements. I believe it was in Paris. I can't remember the year, but <clears throat> I'm sure it was... 2010 maybe something like that yeah so uh, you know uh, Željko being there it's obviously that it, the expectations are high he's going to create that winning mentality that we're talking about definitely uh, son of Koprivica Koprivica was my, my best man at the wedding so you can imagine how I feel for that kid now he's there playing there and uh, it's unbelievable the legacy is going uh, you know the circle is is, is coming back, uh, and uh, some names are uh, are there, are still there. A lot of great fans, a lot of great atmosphere, a lot of great games in front of them. I wish them all the luck. Uh, I was forgetting about 30 years of it. Now that you remember, it's a long time, but still proud of it. Uh, still proud of how we did it. How we did it. We're still. Uh, it's it's still very tough to repeat that. I I don't think it's going to be easy, but. Being Željko, being where he is, uh, I'm sure that's one of his goals. Uh, 
when we talked about Sharas and kind of uh, compared to you with Sharas because you have a lot of uh, things in common. I remember Sharas was... I was better defender than Sharas. That was definitely the truth. Sharas was me. really bad defender. Telling I mean, me. that's not a secret. And he wouldn't be angry on this also. <laughs> that was for sure. Although he might be a, a better passer. He had some nasty passes, yeah. right? Yeah, he was You were that kind of he sharper, was, sharper shooter, un- sharper passer. He was unwilling. Back in our days, we couldn't pass the ball to the, to the guys who were jumping above the rim. The rule was, the rule was you, cannot, you cannot throw it for the LAU. You, mm. The ball has to go under the rim. For example, I played in Milano with Antonio Davis, and you couldn't. Antonio Davis was slam dunk champion one year in in in, uh, in states. They were lifting up the basket, and it was like I can't remember 360. Uh, I think he dunked on 360, uh, three ah, meters yes, and 60. Yes, yes. He dunked over, and and you couldn't throw the ball. Uh, Mike D'Antoni was a coach, so so we couldn't throw it up because it was not legal. And but you're right, you're right. Pashadov was an unbelievable pass. He was an unbelievable player. He was unreal. The good thing about Shadows, he never talked to the referees when he was playing. He wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't look like that. But what I wanted to ask you that he always had that dream in his mind to come back uh, to his hometown, Konas, and to do something with his first love, Zhargris. What was weird for me that you never coached in Serbia in the last 15 years. Well, I came back with my dream was with not my national Except team. from national team, uh, that's for sure, but talking about clubs. Well, okay, club is club, club is club. Maybe there was never the, the opportunity, you never know. I'm, I'm far away from the pension, <laughs> so you, you never know. But uh, one of my dreams is come back and do something with the national team. And uh, I, I think in, in a small way, I managed to do something, something good. And I remember your story uh, about your father, uh, Bratislav Djordjevic. And as I understood, he was a hard guy to please, to be pleased. Uh, I remember you talking about coming back from a good game with a good stat line, with a victory in your pocket. And he was complaining about your uh, focus on defense and your shot selection and things like that. Uh, how hard truth. to be pleased he is now watching you coaching. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> Same exact thing. So you can imagine our phone calls right now. It's it's uh, it's a lot about it. But it, he helped me a lot to be self-aware of uh, having done the job in a good good or not from the young age, also till now. And that's something that he indirectly put in my personality with that talk that you mentioned that it was the truth. Uh, and that he was talking about concentration and this and that and weak side and blah 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 the things I never heard till that moment because I thought only it was about 23 points that I scored that game and uh, this was something that even now I have every time I close myself and analyze my mistakes what I what I did what I could have done better uh, in order for my team to to win or to help the guys so that was a good thing that he did I wasn't thinking about pleasing him it was not about pleasing him. Uh, pleasing I'm, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, I'm has. not doing anything to to please anyone uh, other than my daughters and and, uh, and my wife. But uh, sometimes, but uh, uh, it was just his way of educating me to become something else, to become not a good, but maybe uh, even better than, than 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 I could maybe. Be so. So that was his his way of pushing the the bar even higher towards myself. But his way definitely to 
teach that it was about me. Is he still coaching you or since no. he won some medals with no. the national team, he thought that, okay, no. maybe you're doing a nice job? No, no, he's, he, we talk a lot, we talk a lot. He sees a lot of stuff, he sees a lot of, a lot of games and, uh, you know, it's fun always having a father that he's so passionate about your own job, so we talk a lot. Alexander Djordjevic, uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks a lot for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me.